Welcome. Just a couple of announcements before we begin. This Saturday evening, anyone interested in serving in any capacity? We would love to have anyone come out who's willing to serve, interested in serving. Serving. It's, uh, we're going to have a ministry meeting at Cambridgeport Baptist Church. You can get directions on the web. For the ministry team, that's a required meeting, so it's a time for me to just share my heart with the ministry team, and uh, it's always a good time of fellowship. It's also a potluck, so that's this Saturday evening. And the Bible studies, the uh, midweek Bible studies will be starting up on, is it February 6th, is that right? And we're going to be having one over in Brighton at uh, Eric's place, as well as Miguel, Stephen, and Rich. And then we're going to be having one the same night over in Dorchester. Greg is going to be teaching through Revelation. Yeah, and so, looking forward to that. Anything else? Where's... Where's Dave? Dave, actually, you didn't give announcements this morning. You gave him up announcements. Anything else I should be announcing? Is that is that okay? Oh yes, there is a meeting after church next Sunday for anyone interested in uh, going to Haiti or Peru. So we're excited uh, about those trips. And so it's more of an informational informational meeting. If you're interested, we'll be going to Haiti in April. We'll be going to Peru in August. And so if you're interested in that, please come out. That's after the morning service next Sunday. Anything else? Sign up for Diana's baby shower in the back. Just you're just women, guys. It's not for you. Unless you want to crash it. Gabor can crash it. He's the only one who's allowed to crash it. Okay, uh, we are going through First Chronicles. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Anyone need a Bible? Raise your hand if you need a Bible. Amy needs a Bible. Anyone else? There's a Bible back there as well. First Chronicles, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just pray that you would just guide us and lead us through your word. I just pray, Father, that you would till up the soil of our hearts this evening, Lord. The seed that goes into our hearts will go very deep, and that it will, Father, just give birth to something uh, beautiful and productive. Lord, we want to be fruitful Christians. Father, we want to live a life, Lord God, where People will observe us and say, wow, that's something different. That's something 
that I want. I want to taste what they have. Father, we know that every bit of your word, Lord, cover to cover, is there for us to just really dwell upon, reflect upon, and Father, we just pray, Lord, that God, we go deep into our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, First Chronicles chapter 17. Let's read the first 15 verses, going through First Chronicles, the Old Testament, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Verse 1, now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. Verse 3, but it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent and from a tabernacle to another. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, I have, have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you uh, not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus said Thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel, and I have uh, been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them and that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, also I will subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will, be, uh, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it fr- from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever according to all these words and according to all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David. Then David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a, yet this was a small thing in your sight, O God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and have regarded me according to the rank of a, of a man of high degree, O Lord God. What more can David say to you for the honor of your servant, for you know your servant? O Lord, for your servant's sake, and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness and all in making known all of these great things. O Lord, there is none like you. 
nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for yourself a name by great and awesome deeds, by driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. For you have made your people Israel your, your very own uh, people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, let it be established forever and do as you have said. So let it be established that your name may be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, is Israel's God. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray before you. And now, Lord God, you are God and have promised this goodness to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue before you forever. For you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. And so David, uh, his kingdom established, says at the end of chapter 14, uh, verse 17, it says, Then the, uh, David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. And so, for the first time ever, the nation of Israel is really a world power. Up until this point, uh, it had been just a, 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 a few tribes of, of people, and they were constantly, since the time of the judges, just being... Uh, oppressed by one nation after another. And the reason they were always sort of at the point of oppression is that they're, they're just always rebel, would just always rebel against the word of God. A judge would rise up. There'd be some uh, peace for a while, but then they would just go right back to where they were. And <clears throat> there's this cycle. Then there were, and then they called out for a king, and God brought them King Saul, a king just like sort of the king that the fashioned after the world. He was tall, he was handsome, he was strong, he was smart, uh, but he was not a man of God. And so uh, the Israel find themselves just in the same position as they always were, uh, not being led by a, a man of God, and the, their enemies would just sort of hack away at their kingdom. And so God... Uh, Ten years before Saul actually died, he actually anointed David king through Samuel. And David spent about 10, actually 15 years, uh, being prepared for the kingdom. Uh, but after Saul died, David was established in the land. And we read that first thing he did when he was established, he brought uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which was the which was where the presence of God dwelled, and he brought it front and center into the nation of Israel. It had been hanging out in someone's house for years and years and years, and he brought it into Israel, and and uh, he basically had a huge party for the whole nation, and he fed the whole nation there, uh, they, and they just worshipped before the Lord, and he also built himself a palace. And the palace wasn't so like he could sort of party with all his friends, you see here in verse 1. No, it was a place where he could hang out with his uh, uh, godly friends. And we see him him here in verse 1. He's with Nathan the prophet. And he's uh, 
just you, you, there's a scene here not unlike uh, many of you probably this week, just hanging out uh, with Christian friends, and he's just talking, and he's, and he's got something on his mind. He, and he says, see, now I, I dwell in this beautiful house. He had built himself a, a palace, and the palace was, uh, was beautiful. But he's like, and meanwhile, God is uh, he's under a tent curtain. He had pitched a tent, and he had put the Ark of the Covenant there that uh, the, God had chosen uh, to uh, introduce this. Actually, it was just a piece of furniture uh, to the nation of Israel while they were in the wilderness. And the first time since the Garden of Eden, he had said, I'm going to dwell right among them. And so that's what he chose for that, uh, that, that period of time uh, as he's reintroducing himself to the world through Israel. Uh, it was... Uh, with the Ark of the Covenant. And so he's in this uh, uh, Ark, and uh, he's over the Ark, over the mercy seat, and, and David's like, this guy's, uh, this guy, God, is, um, uh, is under a tent curtain now, and, and I'm sitting here in this palace. And, and he says, you know, Nathan, I, I'd really like to uh, build a temple, a permanent structure where people can go and, and worship God. And Nathan the prophet said to him in verse 2, he says, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. And it says, but it, it, it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan and said to him, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in. So really interesting there, actually. It, he, here you have an instant where a man of God, Nathan, actually did, he, he actually basically misrepresented God. He said in verse uh, 2 there, he said to David, God is with you. But God wasn't with him in this uh, endeavor. And so here you see even a man of God can really whiff. He really struck out here. And why did he? Well, it seemed like such a good idea. I mean, it seemed like a perfectly good idea. I mean, why wouldn't God honor this, requ this request? Why wouldn't he uh, want to, to, to do something uh, like this? It just seems like, I mean, why wouldn't God want to allow a person to basically do something to make God even more of the centerpiece of, of, of Israel. And so, you know, yeah, one of the things I, I really want to look into here tonight and reflect upon is just when God says no, when God says no to uh, you, when he says no to me. And, you know, sometimes that we can have just a real heart for God. Lord, I want to go on the missions field. And God will say, no. Well, why would you not want me to go on the missions field? Didn't you say go into all nations? Or, or you know, God, I, 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 I really, I, 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 I wanted to start that business. And I want to just build a business, and I just want to give you 30% of my money. And, and meanwhile, the business falls apart. God, don't you want 30% of my money? What did you want, 40% or something? You know, uh, why would, you know, why... Why, God? Why am I in this place? I, I, now I'm bankrupt. I have no money. Why, Lord? Why did you say 
no. Or, you know, Lord, I've just given my, my whole life to you, and, uh, and, and yet I'm, I'm here, and I, I don't have a, 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 you know, I, I don't have a, a wife. I don't have a husband. Or maybe my husband left me. My wife left me. Why did you say no to that de- desire in my heart? And that's what happens uh, to David here. It says in verse 4, Go and tell my servant David, Thus thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in. David had such a heart for the Lord. He was such a, an example uh, to you and I. He was a man who was after God's own heart. Psalm 132, verse 4 and 5 says, This is David speaking. It says, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. That's what was in his heart. Wow. And yet God God chose to say no to that. God chose to say no. You know what? John Corson has this story about uh, how his he had this cat and it was like a real gentle cat and it was it, it um, I guess it didn't have a personality I personally think all cats are like that but sorry I know I'm offending someone out there but uh, uh, anyway so he has this cat and and they have it for a few years and the two daughters brought home they found a little kitten it's like a dead worst nightmare. It's like, Can we keep this kitten? No, go out and find a neighbor, you know, who wants a kitten. So uh, he goes out and he looks around at um, a bunch of, uh, they, they go around to the different neighbors and none of the neighbors want this kitten. And, and so he says, okay, you can have this kitten. And so, you know, uh, about two or three weeks after this kitten's in the home, this kitten got really incredibly bold and he went to the cat you know the big cat the normal cat the boring cat all cats are like that but you know so this cat's uh, sitting uh, you know in the house and um, and uh, had gone away and his food was there and this little kitten starts eating out of this cat's uh, bowl eating his food and all of a sudden this cat with no personality got one all of a sudden you know for the first time in his life, and he, you know, he, his back went up, and the hair on his back, you know, stood up, whatever, and he started hissing, and, and then the little kitten started doing the same thing, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, the, the big cat just went after it, and the little kitten took off, John Corson said he saw the whole thing, he went into the woods, followed this kitten into the woods, and he never saw that little That really calm, that really calm personalityless cat. Wow, he, he knew something about him. He never knew he was a kitten killer. <laughs> that thing. And so from that time on, you know, every every once in a while, you know, uh, his, his kids would uh, come home with another little kitten, and they say, "Can we keep this?" And he would say, "No, we're not keeping that little kitten." And it happened several times. And he said no. And he never gave an explanation why. I mean, he didn't want to tell them that they lived with a kitten killer. 
you didn't want to tell them the truth. I mean, that would be like too traumatic for them to handle. I mean, they may not be able to get to, to sleep at night, you know? And, and I think it's the same thing happens with, with um, our kids. Every once in a while, for example, they'll have, uh, when, they're, when, they're, you know, when they're small, it, they want to spend the night at, at a friend's house. And, but over time, we've sort of observed the friend, the family, and, and, and the environment they're in. And we just have to say no. And we don't give them an explanation because they're not going to understand it. And it's the same way with the Lord. You know, sometimes he says no to us, and it's going to take a while for us maybe to understand, and sometimes we'll never know. But I think that there's something, a wonderful lesson here when it comes to worship and it comes to walking with the Lord, there's so much we can learn here about how to respond when the Lord says no to us. What did David do? What did David do after the Lord said no? Verse 16, it says, Then King David went in, and he sat before the Lord. So it says he sat before the Lord. And, you know, I don't know about you, but the first reaction many times that I have is, is when God is, is saying no, is I just go into despair. Or instead of sitting down before the Lord, I stomp out. Or more likely, a lot of times, I just don't want to listen to why. I don't want to know why he would say no. I'm not interested in why. Uh, you know, because I'm thinking that's just, I don't even want to think about why because it's too painful to think about. I want what I asked for. I want what I, you put on my heart, Lord. You put on my heart to build this temple. I want that. Uh, you know, David might have said. But he doesn't stomp out. It says he sits down. So the first rule when God is saying no to you, it's to sit down, it's to slow down, it's to quiet down. And we learn from later on in the book of First Chronicles that eventually he does get a response as to why he was not given the right to build this temple. In chapter 22, actually Solomon, um, when he's talking to Solomon, he's telling Solomon, it was in my mind to build a house, but I have shed blood abundantly. As you know, David spent a good part of his life shedding a whole lot of blood. Not all of it was righteous shedding of blood. He spent a year in the land of the Philistines just and almost sort of in the, a, a very bizarre one-year period, a blood, almost a bloodthirsty time where he was really backsliding in rebellion there, uh, where in 1 Samuel 27 he says, Saul's going to kill me. I'm just going to go live and uh, live with the enemy like the enemy, basically. And so he did that for a year, and, and so he had shed a lot of blood. Solomon, on the other hand, Hebrew word for Solomon, related to the Hebrew word shalom for peace, 
Uh, he was a man of peace, and the text, what the, that's what God's all about. He is peace. He's God our peace. It's one of his names. And so uh, he was given that eventually. And so if we're just willing to sit down before the Lord and say, God, why is this? What is this? Why the no now? You know, as we wait on him, uh, the Lord uh, will give us an answer. So he doesn't initially get, a, get the, the answer, but his, his, uh, he, he does get it eventually. His attitude, though, was to just honor the, honor the Lord. Now, when he is sitting before the Lord, and as he's responding to this, what I think is so wonderful about David's response here is that he listens to everything that the Lord tells him. So oftentimes when the Lord is saying no to us in our lives, all we hear is one thing, no. And meanwhile, God is telling him so much more. And and in fact, God is telling him something really much better than what he's uh, is giving him. He's telling him he's going to give him something much better than what he's asking for. God's saying, I'm not going to let you build me a house, but I'm going to build you a house. And, you know, so oftentimes when the Lord is saying no to something in our life, he's at the same time trying to get our attention to tell us he wants something to give us something much better. But... We're not listening to that. All we're listening to is, oh, man, he just said no, or he's saying no, or this is just so frustrating, and I'm not, I can't deal with this. And we're not listening to him, that he's got something so much better for us in our life. And, 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 and so here you, you, you hear David, and he had listened to what uh, Nathan had said. No, you're not going to build this house. However... He said, uh, verse 9, Lord's telling David, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, and they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them uh, uh, any more as previously. Verse 11, And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish the kingdom. He shall build a house, and I will establish his throne forever. So David knows what's going on here. He knows what's going on. He had grown up with, you know, sort of uh, under the leadership of Samuel. He knows about the Messiah. He knows about who the Messiah, what the Messiah is going to bring in, a time of peace, a time where, where sin and evil and corruption and sickness is going to end. A time where, you know, uh, the, the penalty p- for sin will be paid, and and, he, and and he's being told here, and he realizes, wow, okay, I'm not going to get to build a temple, I'm not going to get to build God a house, but I'm going to be given a house because I, 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 one of my descendants, my seed, God has established my family. 
and my family, so, someone is going to, God's going to raise up the, through my family, God's going to raise up the Messiah, and he's going to live and reign forever. <laughs> and David says in verse 16, because he's listening, and I, I, brothers and sisters, I just can't overemphasize this enough, listen to the Lord when he is saying no in your life. And he, it, because David's able to listen to the Lord, he, what, he's able to worship the Lord. And that's what God is, wants to make out of your life. He wants to make you into a worshiper. Someone who worships in spirit and in what? Truth. He says, who am I, verse 16, O Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. And have regarded me according to the rank of a man of high degree, O Lord. What more can David say to you for the honor of your servant? For you know your servant, O Lord. For your servant's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness in making known all these great things. O Lord, there's none like you. So what's going on? Worship. Is there anything better in the world than worship? It's so much better than building a house for God. Is to have a heart of worship. I never remember, I'll never forget when I was first... Uh, saved. I was uh, discipled by this guy. Actually, Sam and I were just with him last week. He was up here in Boston. We went to a basketball game with him. And this guy was like a relentless nag. I mean, I, 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 I didn't really want to have much to do with the Lord. And he was just one of those guys who just nagged you. He just wouldn't let you, he wouldn't let me forget that God wanted me. And, uh, and, um, well, I remember one of the things that he said is, as I started getting to know him, he said, you know what I do uh, on Friday nights? And I was in Gainesville, Florida at the time, and University of Florida, big-time party school. It used to be ranked number one. I don't pay attention to those things anymore. But it was, it was pretty much of a zoo on weekends. And he goes, I, you know, I know everyone else is partying and stuff like that, but I just like to get to my, uh, in my house on a Friday night. I just like to open up my Bible and just worship God. And I just used to think, that is, that's weird, that's gross. That is, uh, why would anyone ever, and, and I remember about uh, one year into my faith, I just lear started learning how to worship the Lord. And I used to read the Bible, I used to, write down what the Lord was speaking to me, and I used to take out uh, my guitar, and I used to, like, play the guitar for a couple hours. Uh, yes, I do play the guitar, if you could call it that, a few chords. And um, it was just so wonderful. And I remember one time, it was a Friday night, thinking, oh, no, I've become one of them. <laughs> you know? uh, and, and yet it was so much infinitely better. I remember being in one of those lines at a bar on a Friday night in college. And the guy in front of me, we were sitting in this line outside of a bar waiting to get in. The guy in front of me was like, you know, I absolutely hate this place, but what else is there to do? And, and, and you know, that is so true. That's so true of so much what the world is doing. You know, they're in that line in a bar or, or in a bar or whatever, and it's just because... What else is there to do? You know, it's like there's no option or something. And, and, and so uh, to replace that nothingness with a heart of worship, 
what David got. Yes, when you come to the Lord, uh, the Lord does say no. He starts saying no to a lot in your life. He really does. But he starts replacing it with something so much better. And so, um, and, and the Lord encouraged David as well. So not only did he, 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 he encourages him with telling him, look, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Eventually, he also told him the response, by the way, of why he didn't give him the house. He didn't leave him in the dark. Sometimes the Lord does. It's his prerogative to do that in our lives. He's God. We're not. He also encouraged him just because, you know, when we have a desire and intent to do that, and God wants to bless us for it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, actually Solomon speaking, when he was dedicating the temple, he says, Now, it was in my heart, it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple, but the Lord said to my father David, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well in that it was in your heart. So the Lord told him, you did well. And brothers and sisters, that's what the Lord wants. He wants our hearts. More than anything else, he wants your heart. He wants to know, he's interested in what's in your heart. So the Lord even as David's sitting before the Lord, doesn't stomp out, doesn't get all discouraged, doesn't, you know, listen, listen to nothing except the no, but he, he sat before the Lord. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Okay, Lord, why? <laughs> you know, he was willing to do that. The Lord whispered in his heart, in as much as it was in your heart, you did well. Same thing, remember, with Abraham and Isaac. Abraham... Uh, took Isaac up to be sacrificed. Um, the Lord says, okay, now slay him. And Abraham lifted up that sword uh, with a knife, and then the angel of the Lord stopped him. And the Lord says, because you were willing. God wants to know that we're willing uh, to give him our life or anything in our life. And so uh, don't stomp out, but sit down, slow down, be quiet before the Lord. And um, the example also here that we've already seen, focus on the blessing. Don't freak out uh, on what the Lord, you know, how he is saying no. And so he's clearly here. He's focusing on what God had given him, uh, not what God has, was withholding from him. So, so oftentimes, by the way, God is just withholding. Uh, he's, the answer is not no, it's wait. <laughs> That's what it is uh, so much of the time. And why does God want us to wait so often time? To make us into worshipers. Because if he always said yes immediately, we'd never become worshipers because we'd just be focused on the blessing. And so he makes us wait. And so think about the promise that David was given that turns him into such an incredible worshiper here. Think about this promise. It was the promise that he would be remotely related to the Messiah. That somewhere down, you know, in his seed, Somewhere down along the line, his son or son's sons or his son's 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 son or something like that, 
the Messiah would come and, and, and the worship that it did in his heart. Verse 23, O now, o now, O Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, let it be established forever and do it, and do as it at you said. So he's, he, he's worshiping there. And, and think about it, that's, th- that's the promise that, you know, he's going to be sort of have this remote connection to the Messiah. But think about yourself. Think about you. Is that me? Okay. What's that? Oh, it's behind me. Yeah, there's not a Patriots game today, so there's no yelling and screaming over there. But uh, anyway, we'll be next Sunday. Maybe just me here talking, but... uh, (laughs) But think about the worship that this created in David's heart. Just by being told that somewhere along the line he was going to be related to, to the Messiah, or the Messiah would be related to him, where you, you're being, I'm sure there's many of you in here that the Lord's saying either no or wait to something. But, you know, your situation is infinitely bit more different than David's. You're not going to have the Messiah sort of remotely related to you. No, you're the bride of the Messiah. You are the bride of Christ. And so, and I'm 100% serious when I say this, if the Lord said no to every single prayer in our life, that one thing would be enough, and really is enough, really to last us until we go home to be with the Lord or he comes to get us, that we are the bride of Christ, that we are studying on Sunday morning, 1 Corinthians, that, or 2 Corinthians, that he has set his seal upon us, put his spirit in us as a guarantee of what is to come. And so how much more should we be worshiping the Lord? It's just my prayer for every one of you in this room that, You take some time like David did here. Because remember, he's not only talking. He takes this time, and the cool thing about this chapter, he's not only talking about the, what the Lord had just promised him, but he's also talking about basically everything else. It says, verse 19, it says, You've done all these great, uh, you have done all this greatness in making known all these things. And he's just talking about uh, all the different things that... Um, have happened thus far. Verse 16, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that you have brought, uh, that you have brought me thus far? And, and so it says in verse 17, And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. And so not only what's in the future, but he's also referring to it, what's happened in the past, how important it is to, for us to take a step back. Not only what the Lord's going to do with the bride of Christ, but where He's, uh, where He is uh, taking us and where He's bringing us as well. And so, this should, and I pray for God's grace in your life, for God's, the Spirit of God in your life, uh, for this to really uh, create in your heart, in your life, uh, a heart of worship um, as well. Now, there's another response that David has here, and 
it's really interesting. As, as soon as he is given these promises, he, does, he starts immediately praying them right back to God. And notice how, remember how, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he says, every promise in Christ is yes and amen. All 3,000 of them. Actually, this week, I, someone said there was 4,000. So, you know, you count the promises in the Bible. I don't know how many there are, but there are many. And it's important that we pray back the promises of God. And so when God says no to you, don't just listen to the no. Listen to what else he's telling you because he's given you other promises. And begin, you know, worship him for what he is, he's telling you that he's given you. And then immediately lay hold of the promises of God. It says in here that, uh, in verse 24, let it be established. In other words, let this promise uh, be established. Actually, back in verse 23. And now, Lord, the word which you have uh, spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, let it be established forever and do as you have said. So there's nothing wrong with uh, praying the promises uh, of God. Uh, if you have lost all your money or whatever, uh, my God, your word says you shall supply all my needs according to your glorious riches. Just praying that right back to the Lord. You have a desire to be married. Well, Lord, you say your word, delight yourself in the Lord, and I will give you the desires of your heart. You say that, Lord, and, and this is my desire. Either grant me my desire or change my desire. And so pray and agree uh, with the promises of God. Your loved one is facing death or sickness or whatever. The, the, Lord, you say your word, that will keep him in perfect uh, peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I love that verse. We have to pray. That's a promise, the promise of peace. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, lift up your request to God. And the peace of, that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So immediately praying the, uh, the promises uh, of God. And so... Uh, that, so not only is he worshiping, but he's also here, he's just sort of stepping out in faith. And, and so what uh, an important lesson here. And, you know, there's so much here about the response of, of David that so many, so many of us, I'll put myself in, you know, in this category, this group, uh, we need to just repent of the American-style Christianity, which is all about me, 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 and Lord, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and look what I've done, Lord, uh, for you, and what have I got in return? And so you have preachers and out there taking advantage of this, and they come in and saying, what do you mean, why do I have, you can have that, you can have that, and can have that, and, and, and you know, and it turns in just to uh, a, a, a pity party, you know, and it's all about what God is supposed to do for me, nobody loves me, I'm so left out, I came to church, and no one 
reached out and talked to me, and, you know, I'm hurt, and what are you going to do for me about it, uh, uh, Lord? And, 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 you know, and this type of thing. And, and, and so, you know, that's not how revival comes. Revival came in the early church because people were willing to die for the Lord. They didn't shrink back even from death, it says, uh, uh, you know, in the Word. And, 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 you know, in the book of Hebrews, you see that they, actually it says that they were ta- having their property taken away from them. And one of the encouragements that the writer of Hebrews gives to them is, well, consider this. You, you haven't died. You haven't given your life yet. Be, you know, be encouraged. But, you know, the, but the American-style Christianity is, uh, it's like, come on, I'm all hurt, and I've you know, been victimized, and I grew up in this terrible home, and, you know, what's, what are you going to do for me, Lord? And, and, and it becomes more about self-esteem than about worshiping God. And, and you know, even, in, even sort of in biblical counseling, counselors who get it right, biblical counseling, that, you know, you don't build up your self-esteem with anything other than how God looks at you. And, but even then, that can become all twisted because, it, you know, well, you've got to just always remember you're blameless and perfect in Christ and, and you have the righteousness of Christ. And, but even that, you know, you start looking too much at yourself. God wants us looking at Him. He wants us looking at His righteousness, not at our own life. We look into our own heart. There's nothing good to look there. And, and, and while, yes, it's true that, that we are blameless and perfect in Christ, and we need to understand that, and there's a time to meditate upon that, that cannot be our focus. Our focus has to be on the Lord. He's holy. He's righteous. He's good. Now, the, the clear uh, pattern for us to follow it, with David, he's not looking at himself. He's just said, oh, Lord, you are so good. Who am I, Lord? Who am I in my house that you have brought me this far? And, and so, you, you, you know, you, you want to have good self-esteem? Don't look at your own self. Just look at God. Worship God. And focus on what uh, He has, uh, has done for you. And so, uh, what, a, uh, what a, a wonderful example here uh, we have uh, in David. And so... Uh, the final thing that D- is David's response actually isn't even in this chapter. He, his other response to the word, you know, the answer no here was rather than, you know, complaining what he couldn't do, he did what he could do. And so what we're going to see in the coming chapters is uh, David g- basically goes out and does everything uh, he can to prepare for building the temple. He goes out in chapter uh, 18 and 19 and beyond, and he's, he's defeating all the enemies around Israel, and he's bringing back riches and laying them into, putting them uh, in the storehouse to get to the place where the temple can be built. And he gets his workers, and they start to quarry stone for the temple, He's like almost like a lawyer here getting off on legal technicality. Well, he said I couldn't build it, but I can like quarry the stone and put all the material to this legal technicality. But that's his, you know, he does this type of thing. He gets all the riches. He, he has some architects drop the plans for the temple. And so by the time his, you know, it, with his son Solomon, he lets his, he, he gives over the, the plans to his son Solomon. Everything's done. 
And so, you know, if, if the Lord has told you no in a specific area, we'll do everything he hasn't said no to. And, and, and again, it's, it's such a, a wonderful heart there of, of someone who, who he, he wants to serve the Lord and he's going to serve the Lord and he does serve the Lord. And, you know, perhaps you've wanted to go to the mission field and the Lord has said no or wait. Well, you can covenant to pray. You can covenant to... Uh, to fund them. You can covenant to, to keep in contact with, uh, with them. Or if you've wanted to adopt, I remember that um, Steffi and I went through this grueling 10-week course to adopt a child. We already had uh, three children at the time, but uh, I tell you, I, I think I would rather pull my fingernails out than go through this, these courses again. It was just worldly wisdom. It was all a bunch of nonsense uh, week after week. It was just awful what they're teaching people out there about how to raise kids, but whatever. We did it because we just wanted to adopt an, an older child. And so we went through this course, and we really tried. We really did. And we would hear stuff like, well, you already have three kids. Why would you want another one? And meanwhile, there's these signs up on the side of the road, you know, saying, look, won't you adopt a kid? This kid, you know, it doesn't have any family and this type of thing. And why are they asking me if I already have three kids? There's a tremendous need out there. And so this, you know, went on for actually a couple of years. Finally, we realized, you know, uh, now's not the time. Maybe it's... Uh, uh, at a, a future time, although you better not tell Stephanie that. But um, uh, anyway, uh, but, but the, the, the point is, is that, you know, now the Lord's bringing us an opportunity as a church to build an orphanage where there'll be tons of kids, you know, and that's what we're going to be doing in Haiti. We're going to build an orphanage down there, God willing. And, and so you can't adopt. Well, go out and sign up for World Vision and support 10 of them. 10 uh, orphans or, uh, you know, and, and so that's, but that was what David did, right? Although he couldn't build the temple. He kept on seeking the Lord and say, well, if you're not going to let me build the temple, you know, go and sort of live a, you know, just a life after his own flesh. No, he, he kept on seeking the Lord. Well, Lord, how can I still serve you uh, along these lines? Okay, so... When the Lord says no or says wait, we, what do we do? We sit down. We don't stomp out. We don't get into a pity party. We don't uh, basically shut out everything else he's trying to tell us. We sit down and we listen. That's number one. Number two, we focus on the blessing, oftentimes which is much greater than the thing that we wanted. God is wanting to replace it with something much more. We pray and lay hold of the promise of what he has promised us. And finally, we, we do what we can. We don't complain, but we do what we can. You know, in the situation, just like David went out and prepared for the temple. You know, I remember when uh, I was grew up around here, moved away when I was nine, lived all around the place, but I was saved actually 20 years ago this month. It's wonderful. Uh, 
wonderful anniversary for me this month. And within a year, the Lord was really calling me to be a pastor, and Steph and I moved to Atlanta, and and uh, he was calling me up here. He was calling me to Boston. But the timing was not right. And that so often is the case. The Lord, and this is confusing a lot of times to younger Christians, such as myself at the time, where God really was putting a call in my life to do a specific thing. I just wasn't listening to the timing. And so, but what I did, because I wasn't listening to the timing, I was like, oh, wow. So I was trying to get up to Boston. I was sending resumes up here. And, and he, I was in Atlanta. And, just every single door was slammed shut, and and uh, he said no. And you know, by his grace, I I did sort of just put it on the shelf and say, well, I'm just uh, going to continue on serving the Lord. And the next move he made was exactly in the opposite direction. Instead of going up 95 to Boston, we went down 95, and we moved to Miami. But you know something. I moved down to Miami, and within a week or two of arriving in Miami, someone put a little card on my mother's card, on my mother's car, rather. It was a Calvary Chapel. Never heard of it in my life. And we went to that church, and God opened me up to a church and a ministry that I had never been exposed to before. And it was just such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, and in the kind of ministry, a kind of leadership I had never uh, been seen before. And it just all seemed to fit so in line with how I was reading the Bible, how, how the, the church, Calvary Chapel, was run. And, and, you know, just looking back on it now, just what a terrible, terrible, awful disaster it would have been if I had gone right up to Boston trying to do things sort of in my own flesh or whatever. And it just would have been a really painful, sad experience. Uh, he saved me just such an amazing amount of pain. Instead, he, he sent me actually in the opposite. He said no. He sent me in the opposite direction. And I'm just glad that I didn't just focus on the no. I didn't just get preoccupied with a no. But rather, he gave me the grace to say, to, to listen as to what he was saying yes to. And what he was saying yes to was so much incredibly better than what he was saying no to at the time. So I just want to encourage you all this night, if you're in that season, either a no or a waiting, listen to the Lord. He loves you. He is... He has such a wonderful, wonderful plan uh, for your life. Worship him for where he's brought you and, and what he is saying yes to in your life. Okay, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this uh, time this evening, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord, because it's true. If you said, even if you said no to every other prayer, that we've ever, we'll ever pray in our life, Lord, the fact that you died for us, Lord, the fact that we have been given freely 
peace of heaven on earth, Lord. We can worship you and just bless you for who you are. You are God Almighty. You are the God who, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You are Jehovah Rohi, the God, our shield. You're God, our peace, Jehovah Shalom. You're Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us, Lord. We bless your mighty name. And Lord, uh, everything you've done in our lives so far to this point, Lord, we praise you, Lord, and we just thank you for, Lord, what is yet to come. We know, Lord, that you have anointed us, meaning you've set us aside, set us apart for a specific purpose in our life. And we just praise you for that, Lord. Lord, I know some brothers and sisters here may not even know right now precisely what that purpose is. Lord, give them the grace to worship you even for what is not known yet, Lord, knowing that you are good. You are good, and every good and perfect gift uh, comes from you, Lord. And, and Father, I just pray, Lord, as we go out uh, this evening on into this week, do by your grace, fill us with your spirit, make us worshipers, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so before we leave,